Um, it's a full time where we take you around the world of soccer locally, regionally, nationally, and internationally. Full time is presented by the Game Sports Show and powered by 91N, the Game Entertainment and Media. You are listening to season four, episode one of Full Time. I am your host, Daniel Scarpino. With me is our co host, Gaetano Gallo. Before Joe Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. With their two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, you can download and access the Pizza Portal app so you can enjoy a delicious, hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. Recordings of Full Time occur weekly or bi weekly and uploads to all of our platforms for public viewing and listening occur weekly or bi weekly as well. Elated to be with you. Gatano, we are here together on this Monday evening to talk about the beautiful game, and I couldn't ask for much more myself personally. How are you, my friend? I'm doing fine. It's, yeah, it's a beautiful day out. You know, soccer season's just around the corner. Our season's just wrapping up. Perfect. How have you been, Scarps? Blaine, so uh, I definitely feel the same as you. In today's show, we will take a look at the latest in Italian football surrounding Juventus. We will look at the summer transfer market. We will analyze Europe's big five as the new seasons are upon us. We'll look at the Women's World Cup, the MLS, and local soccer. If you'd like to listen to our previous content, please check us out at Full Time on the Game Sports Show. And to Gaetano and to everyone who has taken the time to tune in here today, let's kick off. By taking a dive into some recent news in the world of football, and that, of course, yet again, is Juventus. Juventus, who have been highlighted on our show for nearly an entire year, find themselves in yet another difficult situation. This time, they have been kicked out of the Europa Conference League by UEFA for breaching financial fair play rules. Gaetano, this saga continues with Juventus. What can you say about this initially? I mean, my first thoughts uh, when I saw the news was. Obviously, something was going to go wrong. The way Juventus have been run for the last couple of years, you knew like, like it's just not surprising at all. Uh, and for there to be an FFP breach is again not surprising. And yeah, to be kicked out of the Conference League is honestly a little embarrassing for them. Hit them uh, even harder, I would suppose. It's kind of like being kicked when you're down, isn't it? Because yeah. uh, it's been like one thing after another. But uh, for a bit of background on this, I'm going to read an excerpt from BBC.com regarding uh, this, uh, this matter. And the article starts with, quote, Juventus have been kicked out of this season's Europa Conference League by UEFA and fined for breaching financial fair play rules. UEFA says the matter relates to transactions which took place between 2012 and 2019. Juventus have been fined 17.14 million pounds. The Italian Football Federation must now notify UEFA of which club will replace Juve in the third-tier European competition. It is Argentina who were beaten by West Ham in last year's final after they finished eighth in Serie A. The case against Juventus follows a €718,000 fine as part of a settlement agreement with Italian football authorities over a case concerning payment of players' salaries. In response to the charge, Juventus said that they accept UEFA's decision and will not be lodging an appeal. Club president Gianluca Ferrero said, We regret the decision of UEFA. We do not share the interpretation that has been given of our defense, and we remain firmly convinced of the legitimacy of our actions and the validity of our arguments. 
However, we have decided to not appeal this judgment, lodging an appeal possibly to other levels of judgment with uncertain outcomes and timing would increase the uncertainty with respect to our eventual participation in the 2024-25 UEFA Champions League, end quote. Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't hate their, them not appealing it because that's just a nightmare. It's going to take so long. And like I said, it could affect them playing in the Champions League, uh, not this season, but next season. So yeah, I don't hate that they don't appeal it. But yeah, it's just uh, a pretty terrible situation all around for Juve. I thought to myself, well, why wouldn't you appeal it? Surely if you know that you're innocent, you'd uh, appeal. But then I thought about it some more. And then I thought, okay, yeah, the, the amount of time, effort, energy, resources, money that would have to go into this matter just to appeal the bloody thing would be a, a waste. And like we said, and like it says in the article as well, about the Champions League down the road, not something that they want to uh, to delve into because it's more of a looking at the long term as opposed to the short term, I suppose. So I'm uh, I'm with you on that most definitely. And for in the world of football, as you can well know here on Full Time, you can always be assured that you will be informed. And again, as uh, time goes on, I'm sure that there will be some more stuff uh, revolving around uh, things that are happening at Juventus Football Club. There's a transfer window. The market moves onward as the cash continues to get thrown around in the world of football. Gatano, last time we spoke on our show, we had a long list of big deals that took place. What's your opinion on what has happened in the market as of late? It's been pretty bananas, Carps. That's uh, putting it lightly. Uh, a lot of money being thrown around on a lot of players. Uh, some more worthy of it than others, but, you know, uh, season will tell, uh, you know, because I'm looking at our list right now, even the couple, I, I don't think there's, uh, I think there's a few that are some really expensive mistakes, but, uh, you know, we'll probably, or hopefully be proven wrong uh, in the upcoming season life but what we're going to do here and now is we're going to get into some of those recent dealings in the world of football and all the information attained here is from football 365 so be sure to check them out for up-to-date articles of all the latest dealings in the summer transfer window first who goes from zenith to al hilal for 51.4 million from russia to saudi for the brazilian winger al hilal disclosed no financial details while welcoming malcolm but zenith let it slip that they'll receive 60 million for the 26-year-old ex-Barca star. Gee, your thoughts? Barca star is being really generous there, Scarps. I think he played like, what, one and a half seasons with them, made maybe 10 appearances. I don't know how he's going for 51 million right now. I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, star, I mean, if, if you're going to put the, the word star uh, next to somebody, you better have proven yourself. And not to say that he hasn't proven himself in some regard, but for only a season and a half, still being 26, not put it, uh, having put in a ton of time, not having won a bunch of things. I think it's a bit of a stretch, especially for that amount of money. From Atletico Madrid to Wolves for $44 million. Signed on loan in January with an obligation to buy. Kuna went on to score two goals, both in defeats, in 17 Premier League appearances. What can you say for this one, Gaetano? Ah, this, is not, this is an ugly one. And uh, we'll get into Wolves a little later and we talk about the Premier League, but... Uh... I feel like this is about 44 million too much for him. Yeah. One of the more uh, expensive uh, dealings that have happened in the transfer market as of late. So for me as well, that really shocked me. And 
uh, to go from Atletico to Wolves, you know, being signed on loan and the whole bit of it. Um, yeah, probably way too much money, I would say, as, as well. From Inter Milan to Manchester United for $43.9 million. Inter made a huge profit on a player they signed for a free a year ago, but United have also massively upgraded their goalkeeper with someone who Eric Ten Hag knows that he that can play his way, rather. Big one for United here, G. What can you say? Yeah, I think the actual signing itself is very good. He's a definite upgrade on David De Gea and Dean Henderson. Um, but like you said, they could have had him on a free last summer and didn't. now are paying, what, 50-odd mil for him? Like, not the best business, but uh, definitely, I think, a good good signing. Fantastic. We got to see that on display in the Champions League last year. He was sensational in that final as well. And, uh, you know, like the article stated about Eric Ten Hag, you know, he, he wants to play. And I definitely has some of the best feet as a, from a goalkeeping perspective. Business side, not the best, but from a playing perspective, certainly I think Manchester United got themselves a good one. From Napoli to Bayern Munich for $43 million. Easy one, this, as Bayern Munich simply triggered the South Korean centre-half's release clause to make him the most expensive Asian player in history. Manchester United had been interested, but Bayern had the greater pull. Gee, the fun. Fantastic signing. Uh, one of the best players in Serie A last season, helped Napoli uh, win the Scudetto for $43 million, one of the you know better centre-backs in the world. Can't go wrong with that. Munich, they needed something to solidify the, sp the spine of the team. And I think that they certainly got that. So definitely a great signing. Liverpool to Al Ittihad for $40 million. Liverpool midfielder becomes the third biggest signing of the Saudi revolution so far. Big one here, G. Your analysis. Uh, a little bit of a weird one. I think, you know, he's still in his late 20s, early 30s. And as a kind of a defensive midfielder, you know, they typically last a little longer um, career-wise. So surprising to see him go to Saudi Arabia this early in his career. But, you know. I'm going to assume that they offered him a ton of money, and you can't really argue with that. Probably a couple of conversations were had behind the scenes between him and Klopp, and for that type of money, probably not going to turn it down. From Monaco to Chelsea for $38.7 million. Hoping to fully override their last two signings from Monaco, which were Radamel Falcao and Emeo Bakayoko, Chelsea have purchased two defenders from the league Earth side in 2023 as the Sassy uh, follows Benoit Badiashil to Stamford Bridge. What do you think, G? Um, I think it's a little too early to tell. He's still very young. Uh, we still actually aren't even sure how Chelsea are going to line up this season. So I think, you know, if Poch was going to play at a three at the back uh, with Badiashil, uh, Diassi, and I think uh, Fofana is probably would be the third one in there. Like, I think that's a very good uh, back three. But if they play as a back four and there's only two center backs, I think it might be a little tough for him to get minutes. Uh, so maybe not the the best move for his career in that sense. But obviously, if he's, uh, if he's signed the contract, he knows what's kind of coming up. So I think it could be it, – I think it's, a, it's an okay deal that could be a very good deal. Be something good. And one of my uh, good buddies, he's a huge Chelsea fan, and he's convinced that uh, Chelsea are going to end up playing 4-2-3-1. 
And um, I'm not exactly sure why he's convinced them that way, but the most recent conversation I had with them was that they would play that way. I thought maybe they would go with the back three, but again, time will tell. If it is a back four, might be difficult to get minutes. Back three, maybe a little bit different, but as we know, and as we've said time and time again, time will certainly uh, tell the story of that. From Leicester to Newcastle for $38 million. Barnes saunters straight off into the Champions League sunset with Newcastle, even if they do have to break Eddie Howe's heart to sell uh, Alexei Maximen to fund it. Uh, Gatano Newcastle continued to move. Uh, what's your thinking on this one? I think this is a really, it's not a flashy deal. It's not maybe the most exciting deal for Newcastle, considering the signings they've made recently. But I think this is really, really good. He's primarily proven uh, double-digit goal involvements his last couple seasons. Uh, and for a very not good Leicester side, I think this is a phenomenal move for them. Yeah, Barnes, I think that he is a fantastic player, and Eddie Howe seems to find players that fit. So I think that this will be definitely a good signing for Newcastle. Lens to RB Leipzig for $36.9 million. With all that money burning a hole in their pocket, Leipzig smashed their club record to sign the Belgian striker, who could cost a further $5 million if the Bundesliga side become liable for the agreed add-ons. Gaetano, give us your insight. RB Leipzig, they have that knack of finding these young players, maybe spending a little more than the market value for them, uh, but then turning them into stars and selling them for a massive profit. So I expect the same from uh, from Upenda here. Leipzig, uh, they're always there. They're always uh, there, especially in the Champions League, and they, they do good deals, they do good business, and they always have good sides. So I am, uh, I'm definitely on side with you there. And as always, Gaetano, uh, we did not cover every single sign in this transfer window as of recent. Were there any transfers that uh, we didn't discuss that have caught your attention? Uh, so I've got three to bring to the table here. So the first one is Riyad Mahrez from Manchester City to Al Ali in Saudi Arabia for 30 million euros. Um, it's weird. He was signed in the summer of 2018 for 67.8 million euros from Leicester after their uh, couple seasons after they'd won the Premier League. It's I it almost I think you I think you might understand what I'm saying here, but like he didn't really feel like a city signing when he first signed. He felt very much like a like a FIFA career mode, like sort right wingers by highest rated and by the first one, right? Um, and it's looking back at it now, it was it was kind of the transition from uh, like really pacey, fast, direct wingers to more controlled wingers. Uh, so it didn't kind of fit at that time. But 236 appearances, 78 goals, 59 assists. Four Premier Leagues, a Champions League, two FA Cups, three Carabao Cups, two Community Shields. Like, resume speaks for itself. One of the best African players of all time. One of the best wingers the Premier League's ever seen. Uh, I think it's uh, it's disappointing to see him go, but also at the same time, offered a bag. Can't say no to that. And from the close perspective, getting $30 million for a 32-year-old. Also, you know, like that, that offer is not going to come from anywhere else in Europe or the rest of the world other than Saudi Arabia. So kind of a, a good move for all sides. You know, as, as as mentioned time and time again in in various shows, like can it can go a million different ways. So it seems um, things can happen now until September first. But there has been uh, a bit of news as of late that has come out regarding uh, one of the greatest goalkeepers uh, of all time, and that is uh, our beloved Gigi Buffon, who has uh, retired. And, uh, you know, gee, just if you wanted to uh, to chime in on that, you know, when I saw the news the other day that he was retiring, it just, it was kind of like officially the end of, of an era of that sort of time period whereby, you know, 
we're not going to be seeing anybody from that era ever again. So just your thoughts on uh, the retirement of Gigi Buffon. Yeah, he was, he's the reason why I fell in love with the game, the 2006 World Cup. That was, that's my like first soccer memories. Um, you know, him and that gold kit, which is just like one of the nicest kits I've ever seen in my life. Um, yeah, he's the, the reason why I fell in love with the game. He's one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, I was lucky enough to watch him twice in 2017, once for Juve and once for Italy. You know, this is the highlight of my life. You know, I remember sitting, I was maybe a couple of rows up uh, from him when they were like warming up. And I just sat there just staring at him, just slapped. I was just like, I couldn't believe like he was right there. Uh, one of the greatest goalkeepers of all time. I don't even want to start listing off his achievements because we'll be here for hours. <laughs> uh, but we'll top it off how many Skidettos he won and a World Cup. What, just one of the greatest goalies of all time. I'm revolutionized the game in so many ways and uh, iconic in the world of football uh, now and forever. So happy retirement to Gigi Buffon. And uh, yeah, it's truly and uh, true and well, thank you for the memories without question. Uh, so moving forward, once again, mm -hmm. folks, uh, the transfer market is open until September 1st. Uh, for clubs to make deals. And uh, as you all good and know, well know, we, in the world of football, things can happen until the very last second. So here on Full Time, we'll keep everybody up to speed and informed with all the latest in the world of football when it comes to the transfer market, because there still is business to be done. For a new season of European football. And that is right, ladies and gentlemen, the 2023-24 season in Europe is upon us. And we're pretty much ready to kick off and get underway g how excited are you man that's the best time of the year i'm like the, the, if everyone's watching on youtube they can see the grin on my face hopefully if you're just listening you can hear the grin on my face because yeah the season starts friday and i'm just so 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 excited sounds Gaetano uh, in this wonderful sport and we're certainly grateful for that and what we're going to do here is uh, we're going to highlight the upcoming seasons in europe's big five as well as who our favorites are to uh, win each league title so these in large part are going to be our preseason predictions, which are always a good bit of fun. And we will begin in the English Premier League. Gaetano, it's your Manchester City who are the holders yet again, uh, and once more with the Premier League after a good battle last season with my Arsenal. The Community Shield incidentally was played on Sunday, August 6th between Arsenal and City. It's a competition uh, to kickstart each season between the Premier League winners and the FA Cup winners. Uh, or in this case, the, the team who finished second uh, highest in terms of placing in the Premier League, which was, uh, of course, Arsenal to your Manchester City. And the result of the game was 1-1, but Arsenal did manage to win it on penalties by a score of 4-1. G played for a prize, uh, but a lot of people don't put a ton of stock into it. What do you think about this specific game, which is played before uh, each Premier League season begins? Uh, I think it's... I think it's... Uh, it's, it's hard to say because it's one of those things where if you win it, it's great. But if you lose it, it's no big deal. So it's like it's it's hard to put a lot of stock into it. The other thing is, uh, in the last ten years, only one team that has won the Community Shield has ended up winning the Premier League, and that was City's uh, the formidables that won the domestic quadruple. So it's not even a great barometer of you know success in any kind of shape or form. Leicester won it two years ago and are now in the Championship. Like. But at the same time, if you win it, it's a good way to start your season with a piece of silverware. It kind of gets you going on the right foot. And if you lose it, it's not really the end of the world. Well, because I've never put a lot of stock into uh, the Community Shield. And, you know, of course, I was happy to see Arsenal win. You always want, in any game you compete and you want to win. But I always found it to be a little bit strange as well that the first game of your season, you're competing for a title. 
Uh, it just always, I always found it a little bit weird and I never put a ton of stock into it because a lot of players at that time, they're still getting into the, the groove of things. Managers are still trying to sort lineups. They don't even know what their best 11 are uh, at that point in time. So I don't put a ton into it, but like you said, it's nice to start the season in that way uh, on the right foot. But um, that is what has happened as of late as uh, the Premier League season is getting set to kick off. But now what we're going to do is we're going to jump into the real thing. And the Premier League is looking insanely competitive this year upcoming as we're just getting ready to start here in about four days' time. Two parts on this one, G. First, what can you say for how you believe the league will look this season? And second, who is going to make your top four this year? So I had a really tough time with the fourth place uh, spot in my top four because I think there's so many teams from four to probably eight or nine that, you know, give them a good run of form could easily end up in that spot. You know, it doesn't have to be all season, but if they catch catch form at the right time, string a couple wins together, could put themselves in that spot. It's super, super competitive, basically from kind of 9-10 all the way up to the uh, number one. So I have Manchester City winning the league uh, because, of course, I do. I'm not going to pick anyone else ever. <laughs> um, I do have Arsenal finishing second, Newcastle in third, and Liverpool in fourth. And I do agree with your point, certainly on it it will only take for somebody to hit a good run of form and to get that fourth position or to climb into one of the top spots. I think we we saw it time and time again last year. Newcastle held their own. Brighton held their own. And uh, there were teams that slipped out of the race that probably otherwise would have and could have been in it. So it it is going to be a competitive league this season, in my opinion. And I think, like you said, probably spots nine through ten is going to be a battle. So half the table is going to be competing for European places, whereas maybe half won't. But even in the the bottom half of the table, I expect a lot of competitive matches. And my top four got handled this season. I have Arsenal winning the league, again, for obvious reasons. I I think that they're going to improve hugely, and I think that they're going to be able to do it this year. I have Manchester City finishing second. I have Liverpool finishing third. And I have Manchester United finishing fourth. I think that Newcastle will just narrowly miss out, but that is going to be my top four. Very excited for the Premier League kickoff here uh, in less than a week's time. And then we also focus on who will be going down as much as who we see competing at the top. G, who are the three teams in your view who will go down at the end of the season and inevitably be relegated to the championship? So in in some particular order here, uh, I have Wolves, Everton, and Luton Town going down. a little bit different uh, or I, I guess you could say uh, a lot different in some ways so I also have Luton Town going uh, down to the championship I just don't think that it will be for them this season uh, I think that they're it's an honor for them to have gotten here they've you know climbed the ranks so quickly but I think they're going straight back down I have Sheffield United after them to go down and then I have Nottingham Forest that are going to go down as well I just don't think uh, on both of those fronts that those two clubs have done enough this summer, and I don't think that they'll have enough to maintain uh, coming in the upcoming season. So those are my three to go down. So we do differ a little bit there for sure. It was Napoli who took the league by storm last year, winning the Scudetto convincingly. Atano, we were surprised last season in many regards, but will we be surprised again this season is the real question. Who is going to win it this year, G? So this is probably the toughest uh, of the top five leagues to pick. I think there's three or four legitimate contenders, 
but I'm going to go with AC Milan. I think other than losing Sandra Tonali, they've had a really good summer, bringing Pulisic, Arguin Loftus-Cheek, Samuel Chiquese, and I think a lot of their competition got weaker. Uh, so I think, kind of overall, I think they might not run away with it the way uh, Napoli did last season, but I think uh, at the end of the season, AC Milan will be crowned Italian champions. Yeah, that anyone's going to walk away with it the way that Napoli did this year, at least for a long time. We probably will see it again in our lifetime for sure. But uh, what Napoli did last season was incredible. I don't think that they're going to do it again. I don't think that there's going to be any huge surprises. I do expect a much tighter top four. But me, I'm going the other side of Milan, and I'm going Inter. I believe that Inter will win it this year. Uh, Got good odds to win it. Uh, Maintain much of the squad. They look decent. um, And there's still some time for them to, to move a few pieces around. So I believe that Inter... Uh, is going to be able to win it this season. I don't know, Scarps. They they lost a lot of good players. I've got the list up. Onana, Skriniar, Brozovic, Handanovic, Jekko. That's like the spine of a team gone right there. The replacements in, though, from what I understand, they have some younger players that are going to be coming through, and I think that they're going to be able to uh, to push a little bit more than most people would expect them to. And that's sort of, that's sort of my thinking on it. I think... Uh, not to say that you can expect the unexpected, of course we can, but uh, I do believe that uh, Inter is going to have just enough to get themselves over the line in a very competitive uh, city. Uh, but again, we'll see what happens. Uh, it could be another surprise by all accounts, but we'll see. We'll still we'll on things very closely. Barcelona took back their crown last year after an impressive season, but who will do it this season, Gaetano? I've gone with Real Madrid. Uh, I think they just have a more complete squad than Barca. And uh, with Barca competing in the Champions League again, not sure how that squad, it's really thin right now. I don't know how much they're going to be able to cope with uh, competing domestically and in Europe. This is the first time this show we've agreed on on our picks because I'm also going Real Madrid. Uh, I think that Barcelona are going to have their hands dipped in a few different pots. I think Real Madrid are going to be able to uh, to do it this season. I believe this is Ancelotti's last season there because then he's going Brazil after. So I think that uh, he'll go out on a high. And I think that Real Madrid will win the title. And to the final minutes, but Bayern Munich did it once more. Catano, will it be Bayern again this season or is it going to be someone new? Uh, it should be Bayern again. Uh, their main competition uh, in Dortmund got significantly weaker and like Rafa Guerrero went from Dortmund to Bayern. So like they not only weakened their own uh, opponents, but got stronger themselves. Uh, I don't really see anyone stopping them. And if the rumors are true and they do end up getting Harry Kane, then they will have the league wrapped up in like February by the latest. (laughs) Wednesday, it'll all be done and dusted if that is the case. And uh, I saw the other day that Harry Kane scored like four goals and like one half or something. And he was going around the pitch giving a, applause and you know standing ovation the whole bit and sometimes that does mean that the player's on his way out the door so we'll see what happens but I'm also going Bayern Munich to win the Bundesliga I don't think that anyone's really going to lay a glove on them this year last year was incredibly close a lot of strange things happened at that club but I think this year they'll be a lot more solid as we uh, as we recently spoke about and the title belongs to PSG after this upcoming season Gaetano will the title remain with PSG I think it depends entirely on the last three weeks of uh, the window here. So Mbappe is already looking to leave. Uh, and I don't know if you saw the news say that apparently Neymar has asked to leave PSG. Um, yeah, so I think, you know, if they lose one or both of them, 
I don't think there's a lot of time in the window to replace players of that quality. I don't think players of that quality are really available uh, right now. So I think if they lose one or both of them, I think Leon uh, might pip them to the title. If they manage to keep hold of at least one of them, then they should still be able to retain the league. Point right now, as we sit here together, Gaetano, we I can only deal with what is and what is currently constructed. So as we sit here, I'm going to say that PSG is going to win it, but I'm definitely with you. If they lose both of them, they're not winning the title. If they are only going to lose one and they retain the other, it's possible. But again, I think it'd be incredibly difficult for them. I think that somebody else would swoop in and do it. But my preseason prediction still is going to be PSG. Europe's Big Five, you can continue to get all of the latest on the best leagues in European football right here on Full Time. This is Daniel Scarpino and Gaetano Gallo, and you're listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. The has reached the knockout stage, and what a tournament it has been so far. Gatano, there have been surprises all over the place. So here on Full Time, when we often say we can expect the unexpected in football, this tournament really validates that statement. What have you made of this tournament so far, my friend? Uh, it's been a little bit of a painful tournament as a Canada fan. It's uh, not enjoyable group stage. But outside of that, you know, taking bias out of it, uh, it's been a really, really fun tournament. Like you said, tons of uh, like knockouts and upsets. And it's been just really, really, really entertaining. The level that they're playing at is so, 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 so high. Yeah, it's just been phenomenal to watch. For us here in Canada, it's, they're a little bit all over the place. They're either really early in the morning or they're late in the evening. So I have been in, enjoying the ones that I've been able to see. A little bit painful uh, being a, a fan of, of course, our country, Canada. But we should probably talk about that right now. Uh, the Women's World Cup is, in fact, in the round of 16. But unfortunately, Canada did not reach the knockout phase after finishing third in their group with one win, one draw, and one loss. Gatano, if you could just give us your insight as to where you believe it went wrong for Canada in this tournament. Um, so I think this goes back to the whole, uh, the arguments and the uh, the whole thing with the CSA uh, not paying them and that, the, all that whole kind of debacle. Uh, it's still not solved. The players are still kind of uh, working on those deals. Um, so that's that's a huge thing. That's a huge weight on these players' shoulders, uh, having to deal with that, especially more senior players, the like Christine Sinclairs, uh, uh, Sophie Schmidt. Like, they're the ones that are taking the brunt of that. Uh, and yeah, I think that's because always like anytime you're arguing and like fighting so hard against your own federation, that's just not a good uh, a good thing. You also have to look at the fact that every team uh, in this tournament, except for Canada, played at least ten uh, pre-tournament games in the last year. Canada only played four because CSA refused to organize more. Uh, so that's great to go into a World Cup uh, with you know four games of prep in a year. That's not obviously ideal. Uh, but I think on the field, uh, the biggest issue is Canada. Their attack was just flat. It was just one-dimensional. And it's great when you can go, okay, we're going to give the ball to Sinclair directly and let her kind of run things. But when you don't have a plan B, when that doesn't work, which Canada didn't have, um, you know, it kind of you know, goes tits up. Um, and I think missing Janine Becky uh, as a winger and forward was just a huge, huge, huge loss for them. Uh, she created 61 chances in the last calendar year for Canada. The next highest player was Jesse Fleming, who uh, created 25. So losing Janine Becky, she's so versatile up front, can play anywhere up front, anywhere in the midfield, and as a fullback, 
not having her there as kind of that spark plug, that creativity, they just, they really had nothing. So there's always an underpinning usually with these sorts of things. And the underpinning in, the, in this case was the sort of um, arguments and, and things of the sort that were happening behind the scenes, like you, uh, behind the scenes, like you said, with the CSA and um, labor disputes, et cetera. So all of that stemming into this, that was definitely weighing on the players. And then from an on-field perspective, like you said, the attack was very flat. It was one dimensional. It didn't look, and I actually tweeted this out after uh, the first game. It looked like Canada was really lacking ideas. And then even in the first half of their second game, you know, I got up early to watch that one. And the first half, I thought it was just dry. It was still, luckily, they were able to score on the stroke of halftime, the own goal uh, that was. Um, but again, lacking ideas. But if you're going to have a lack of preparation, only getting four games in the lead up to the tournament, it's going to be hard to get your ideas, not just down on paper, but down uh, onto the training field, into the, the preparation games and these sorts of things. So I do feel for Canada, it was, you know, let's exit that's for, that's for sure the way that they lost the last game as well for nil. so a bit painful but i'm i'm hopeful and i'm certain that canada uh women's soccer team will be back uh to the one that we do know in the not so distant future according the round of 16 is not yet quite done because of the timing of the games that are taking place um, in australia and new zealand that said the teams who did reach the round of 16 so far are switzerland spain japan norway uh, Netherlands, South Africa, Sweden, United States, England, Nigeria, Australia, Denmark, Colombia, Jamaica, France, and Morocco. So I shouldn't have said so far, but those were the teams that made uh, the round of 16. But the eight teams that uh, we do know will be in the quarterfinals after the success of the round of 16 with uh, a couple games left to play are Spain, Japan, Netherlands, Sweden, England, and Australia. The two games uh, that are left to go, which will go tomorrow morning at 4 a.m. and 7 a.m. Eastern time, uh, will be between Colombia and Jamaica, and then it will be France and Morocco. So, G, of these teams so far, of the ones that we do know who have made the quarterfinal, in your eyes, who have looked the best on the pitch so far in terms of what has been uh, displayed this tournament? Uh, I would say up until uh, the round of 16 game against Nigeria, England probably looked like the best team uh, on the field. They played really well. And credit to Nigeria, they were phenomenal. They were super tough against Canada, held us to nil-nil and then held England to nil-nil uh, and only losing on penalties. Uh, so it's a massive credit to them for making England look so kind of uh, average. Uh, but yeah, I think England has been easily the best team in this tournament so far. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen uh, with James because I believe she got sent off today. Uh, so I don't know if that's going to be a lengthy suspension or what have you. But even with that, I still think that England certainly look the best output uh, outfit of everybody in this tournament. So I'm still uh, having them to go as far as possible in this tournament and still possibly win. And it was either going to be them or the States for me. The States have since been bounced uh, by Sweden. So I'm going to say that England continue to, uh, mm. to, to continue to pave mm. their way in this tournament with some of the football that they've been playing. And I think that they'll do it right through uh, to the final. And the FIFA Women's World Cup will kick off on Thursday, August 10th. And our next show of full time, uh, we'll have another update for you regarding how the tournament finished from the quarterfinals all the way up to the World Cup final, which is set to go on Sunday, August 20th. A season that is uh, on a bit of a standstill as teams are competing in the League's Cup. That being said, we still can say comfortably that Cincinnati sits atop of the Eastern Conference and St. Louis is at the top in the West. Your thoughts on how the league has been going as uh, since we last spoke, sir? Yeah, it's been, I mean, 
again, like removing my bias as a Toronto FC fan, it's been a really fun season. Uh, the league is just getting better and better. And I know we'll touch on it momentarily, but the league has gotten a lot, lot better uh, with a couple of uh, recent additions. But yeah, the league's been super fun to watch. Uh, games other than Toronto FC games have been super competitive. Um, yeah, it's been a really, really good season. Has uh, not been short on some of those entertaining games that you've just alluded to. The final of the competition is set for Saturday, August 19th. What can you say about this competition as a whole, G? Uh, it's it's a weird one. I'm still I, I still don't know it all the ins and outs yet. Um, but I do like the fact that you're getting them compete uh, MLS teams competing with the Mexican teams. It's uh, it's something I think both leagues need. I kind of just kind of boost each other up a little bit. Um, yeah, I also just like the fact that there's just more games to watch. I'm never going to argue with that. I know the players have been arguing for a while, like about the amount of games that are being scheduled. But as a fan, I I can't argue with it. <laughs> you with it the more the better but from a player's perspective i do get it and uh yeah i think it definitely boosts and it is nice to see that sort of uh interchanging of, of those games there was a couple of recent games the one last night particularly with inter miami was unbelievable so yeah it's definitely been fun to watch and uh, i'm looking forward to continuing to see how it goes over the next uh, couple of weeks uh, uh Lionel messi has arrived in Miami, in the MLS, um, he has been doing exactly what we expected him to do, and that is take the league and essentially run with it. Katana, what are your thoughts now that we've gotten to see him play there uh, on his impact already, um, just being in the league for a short period of time so far? I mean, like there, there aren't there aren't really words for it. Like he's the best player in the world, playing essentially in our backyard. Um, it's wild, and I think. For his legacy, not that it wouldn't be where it is uh, if he didn't play in MLS, but I think kind of the rest of the world understands kind of what Messi is and what he's done. I don't think the States is quite there. And I think him, you know, playing in the States right on their doorsteps, like showing the, the, the United States, this is why I'm the best. Not that he's like that, but you know what I mean. Um, I think his legacy will, you know, be like it's like ten, it'll be bigger like tenfold because now that they, they they're seeing him do what he's done right in front of them like they, they can't look away and be like oh it's in europe or they play it super early in the morning or late at night like he's right here he's doing the thing that we all expected him to do and he's so good at i think it's it's just huge it's just huge that so far is massive and it's only going to get bigger and bigger. I think he has something already like six goals or whatever. And he's only been there for, or he's only been playing rather for a few weeks. So it's been sensational to see him play. His impact is global, but uh, if the States haven't been, well, if the States haven't put on notice, but they're certainly going to understand just how big this guy actually is. Because uh, when you talk about the best in the world, he is certainly right there. And he has been for, well, what seems like an eternity for us, but uh, yeah, it's 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 amazing. Like you said, that he's essentially in our backyard and he's doing what he's doing, and uh, hopefully this will only continue to improve the league by uh, attracting and drawing a, a high standard of player to come over to the MLS. For a local soccer update. The summer season is slowly coming to a close as we have entered the month of August. Men's and women's have both entered the playoffs to round out the summer. Youth leagues are still in their regular seasons, but are rounding out shortly as well. Catano, how enjoyable for you has this season been? 
It's been a it's been a really uh, interesting season playing with a new team, uh, getting to know some some new faces, a new kind of system, new style of play. But it's uh, it's been really really good so far. How about you? And uh, I've been enjoying the summer as well from a playing perspective. Uh, always good to, to be with my team as well. Guys that I grew up playing with since I was a kid and, um, you know, other guys that when I was with Sioux Croatia, still getting to play with. So, yeah, I've been really enjoying the summer now that playoffs are here. Looking to uh, crank it up one more time and see what we can do the next couple of weeks. And as a reminder, games in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario are played Sunday through Thursday evenings at Superior Heights Soccer Field, Tom Pippen Park and Strathclair Park. And Gaetano Gallon, you're listening to Full Time on the Game Sports Show. A reminder that Full Time is sponsored by Little Caesars Pizza. You can download and access the Pizza Portal app for any of the two locations in Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario. Have a delicious hot and ready pizza from Little Caesars today. That is Full Time. As we wrap up today's show, we want to express our highest and most sincere gratitude for you all being here with us to talk about the beautiful game. G, nothing short of a pleasure, my friend. So this is like, don't don't let Avery hear this, but I love recording this show. It's so much fun. It's so great. Thank you for having me. Thank you for talking beautiful game with me. It's been a pleasure. On this show specifically, it's something that I look forward to the whole week in advance when we're preparing for the show. Uh, anytime that we're texting or we're together and we're talking, that's great. But this show certainly uh, holds a place near and dear to my heart. So again, thank you, sir. A reminder to our listeners that the next episode of Full Time will be recorded the week of August 28, 2023. In that show, we will look at Europe's Big Five, the summer transfer market, the results from the Women's World Cup, the MLS, and local soccer. As always, we will keep everyone in the loop with all of the happenings in the world of football. For weekly content, make sure to hit like, follow, and subscribe to all platforms of both the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Podbean. Be sure to check us out at our website at www.thegamesportshow.com. That's www.thegamesportshow.com. For Gatano Gallo, my name is Daniel Scarpino, and thank you for tuning in to Full Time. We look forward to seeing you at kickoff next time back here on the Game Sports Show and the Game Entertainment and Media. Best of.